đời sông núi anh em ta đáp đời sông núi quyết bảo vệ sang sang ta thể chết cho quê hương at host my radio it's on on every monday and every friday and host my radio welcome to the show thank you Welcome to the episode of Team Cow My Radio today. Happy Monday, everyone. Well, kind of a happy Monday because a power got knocked out just yesterday because of a crappy storm. I think you guys heard, you know, news about it, whatever. And didn't have a good sleep at night because it was so dark and it was dark at night. Then by didn't use enough batteries to. Get my flashlight to work, and my phone died before I even started doing anything with it. So, at least now powers are back up. I can finally do my uh, podcast, and we can finally talk more about what's going on. And of course, it's raining outside, so we'll be we're also going to be doing our radio show still coming this Friday, and hopefully, you guys can join us. And this week, I think we do have a podcast for SGA's uh, group itself, which is a little bit... It's a different podcast that you guys ever think of. It's not political. It could be anything, sports, whatever. Related. Hope you guys can promote them. Uh, the Parliamentary and Treasure will be, doing this, uh, will be doing this podcast. And I'm hoping you guys can join us as well to talk a lot of fun things. But, hope, but hopefully, by the end of the week, we get all the knowledge we need to get. Otherwise, I'll drive my insanity crazy, but... So... We're gonna be talk. We're gonna... This is gonna be a little bit short. So... The UK right now... Designate... Um, designate Prime Minister, Liz Truss, has, has won her... Um, Prime Ministership. And the leader of the... Conser- of the, uh, you know, Conservative Party. So she... Will be Prime Minister by tomorrow. Of course, tomorrow... It's her designated time for her to become Prime Minister. She's a leader, now the leader of the Conservative Party. It's kind of strange and ironic. It's kind of strange that a, a leader party becomes Prime Minister. Some people would say, well, it's not universal suffrage, it's not democracy. But those people you elected are lawmakers. And I expect it, you know, to be in that kind of picture, you know. Alright, my... Things going back to normal. Let's get straight to what we're going to be talking about. So, in picture, unkindness cut. Hong Kong saw last sawmill to close after 75 years to make way for a new northern metropolis. The owner of the Chi Ki Sawmill and Timber, Wu Hong Kong, describes the 75 year old business as a temple of carpentry in Hong Kong, but the city is about to lose its, such, its last such temple. The 72-year-old carpenter inherited the sawmill from his father, who found it in 1947. Very interesting. It survived the state economic transition from manufacturing to, to finance and growing environmental awareness. But it was finally failed by a government's development plan. The sawmill is located in the village of Mato Yulun in Sun Shui, 
an area that falls under the Northern Metropolis Development Strategy proposed by the former Chief Executive Kerry Lamb last year. The plan intends to link several existing towns and to develop rural areas in the Northern, Metro- Northern District into a much, uh, mega- megapolis which will become part of the Greater Bay Area, Beijing's development strategy for Hong Kong. Hong Kong, Macau, and nine mainland Chinese cities. <laughs> the Chiqui Sawmill and Timber is the last of its kind in the financial hub, but the owners have been told to move out, move out on or before September 13th. Look at this t- timber. How could we possibly empty this sawmill by the deadline, Wong asked. Which doesn't make sense to me, actually. Visitors have gone to the premises every day to purchase wood since the sawmill announces a meeting closer. The sawmill is open from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., Monday to Saturday, for visitors and buyers. Like many people in the 1940s, Wong's father came to Hong Kong from the mainland and hoped to bring down roots in what he saw as a land of freedom. Wong was born shortly after the business was established. Wong said running a sawmill used to be a profitable as many grassroots households lived in a in a wooden squatter hut in, in earlier days. But now the squatter settlement has disappeared and for environment, environmental reasons, the government has stopped importing timber from, trap, from tropical rainforests. Once the main source of timber for local sawmills, Wong said. Most saw most um, most sawmills shut before 1997. Yet, Chiki Sawmill and Timber managed to survive as Wong saw a novel way to acquire cheap timber, recyc- recycling abandoned wooden um, wooden utility poles from the China Light and Power Company. <laughs> Nobody was willing to process those poles since the poles were soaked with chemicals. We thought processing them could be dangerous to our health, Wong told Hong Kong Press. But when, we, when you're in desperate, you try everything. The power company later approved the sawmill's processing procedure after reminding Wong to make sure the poles were not burnt, a process which would release toxic gas. The Chiki sawmill and, the Chiki sawmill and, and timber also turned out pallets for, air, for airline cargo holds and materials to repair Chinese temples and ancient wooden houses until the until the area became part of the development plan. Wong and his seven uh, siblings are entitled to the land. Even with his share of conversation with the government, Wong said he would not be able to afford another sawmill elsewhere. I'm old, and I cannot do everything myself now. I rely on younger generations, Wong told Hong Kong Free Press. He wishes the sawmill could be preserved and converted into a museum for the next generations. It is a pity for a city to lose its saw- last sawmill, he said. It serves as a temple for carpenters. <laughs> I'm not lie, it looks pretty nice, though. Around the sawmill were dozens of round wooden planks with sink messages on it, and, in- and, hand- and handcraft chairs made by visitors who have att- attended workshops held by the sawmill. Some of the messages were written by architectures and design students. For Wong, carpentry is a le- lesson about life. The characteristics of woods are similar to that of mankind. We were both created by God, and there is no ancient or modern when it comes to cutting timber. When I've done it throughout the history of mankind. Sounds pretty good. The virtue of wood 
its fortitude and being quiet. It doesn't run away when facing obstacles and has endured all difficulties or disasters, then evolving into a phoenix if it survives the fire. I think it is a good thing if we learn from wood. The the seasoned carpenter, which is what the seasoned carpenter said, (laughs) things may be gloomy now, but I tend to think it's just a darkness before dawn. I hope there will be a turnaround, Long said. I feel like hopefully that if this place turns into a museum, it will be a good guarantee in my my honest opinion. (laughs) Because they fell hell to these guys, and it sucks when this happens. And that sucks. The problem with this is that the government doesn't really do much, you know, when it comes to these kind of things. And we talked about domestic workers before, so, so we're not going to go full details because we, you guys can look it up. After escaping exportations, trafficked domestic workers in Hong Kong face another hurdle, legal recognition. Like many other migrant workers who leave their hometown, Dolly Singh, who came to Hong Kong from India in July 19 to support her family, the then 24-year-old Punjabi thought she could trust a distant relative in Hong Kong to employ her as a domestic worker. When she arrived, she signed her name on a blank sheet of paper, a contract, which she was never saw again. <laughs> her relatives did offer her a job, but came without a salary for seven months. For several months, Singh was not paid for her work. When she complained, her employer verbally promised to pay her $1,500 per month, less than one-third of the the statutory minimum wage for domestic workers in Hong Kong. But Singh never received that either. Adding to her misery, she was maltreatment. Adding to her misery was the maltreatment she faced. I did not have sufficient food to eat. I could only go out with with their child. I was not allowed to have friends, Singh said, adding that she was verbally abused by her employer. <laughs> Singh was, is one of many migrant domestic workers who have faced exploitations in Hong Kong. According to a statistics from the Immigration Department, there were more than 339,000 uh, migrant domestic workers um, in the city in 2021. Most came from the Philippines and Indonesia, as well as other Asian countries. Research done by just by the Justice Center Hong Kong in 2016 found that 70% of the migrant domestic workers in Hong Kong were in forced labor, and 14% of those have been trafficked. When people hear human trafficking, they often think of kidnapping and abductions or associate with the sex industry. However, according to the United Nations Office of Drug and, Drug and Crime, human trafficking does not necessarily involve the use of force. Main victims end up being exploited in sectors such as construction, agriculture, and domestic work, as in Singh's case. I do not know what to do at all. I did not speak any English, and I needed a job. I had to support my family, Singh said, Singh told Hong Kong Free Press. A Pakistani domestic worker, Singh, met when he, when she, when she took her employer, employer's children to kindergarten, told her to leave her job. She spoke Hindi, too. So I was able to share my situation with her, and she told me it was wrong that I should ask for help, Singh recall. Singh started looking for contract details and services of a non-governmental organization online. Around this time, 
she said her employer attempted to molest her. Singh stopped him, but started to feel unsafe and ran away one early morning, leaving her belongings behind. A stranger she met in the park helped her to call an NGO help for domestic workers. What Singh faced next was another grueling process. Danila Reyes, Singh's caseworker with help for domestic workers, explained every legal option away with her. <laughs> but unable to speak English and traumatized by her experience, Singh has trouble understanding the, pro the possible processes, even with help from Reyes and a translator. At first, it was very confusing. I didn't know what's going on. I didn't know what's going on. I did not trust the NGO fully. I was afraid that the people who were helping me would back out. Singh said. Eventually, Singh filed a claim to the late to the labor tribunal for her unpaid wages and her personal affairs and a criminal claim of indecent assault against her employer. The government also opened an investigation into whether Singh has been victims of human trafficking. Introduced in 2015. Human trafficking in-person screening mechanism aims to identify victims of trafficking from vulnerable people who have been arrested or have approached the authorities. According to the Security Bureau, nearly 37,000 initial screenings were conducted between 2016 and 2021, with a total of 40 victims identified. The TIP victim screening is not simply a questionnaire-filling procedure or an application. But a crucial part of an investigative process, a security bureau, a security bureau stroke, um, spokesperson told Hong Kong Free Press in June. Under normal circumstances, interviews will be conducted by well-trained frontline officers of the respect of the respective department. Yet many NGOs said the screening mechanism was notoriously unfriendly to victims, with many dropping out the process or avoiding reporting their cases at all because it would be draining would be a draining process that many want to avoid. Crystal Young, a, solicit a solicitor, which is typically another word for a lawyer, and, and the head of casework and research of Hong Kong's Dignity Institute, said frontline law enforcement officers often, often did not appear to trust the victims, and that they rarely identified them as such anyway. It's the interview is done poorly because the officers have a mindset of talking to a defendant, a criminal, but these people are vulnerable. They are, they have experienced expectations and abuse, you know said. The screening pro mechanism exists to protect these people, but as they are being accessed, the police are ex extirpating the traumatic experiences for them. It's not, it's not friendly. In August 2018, the Security Bureau established a joint investigation protocol under which potential victims will be jointly interviewed by a relevant department where needed, so as to spare them the agonies, the agonies and traumatic service experiences of going through separate interviews and repeating the same story, the Bureau's spokesperson said. Welfare of a person concerned during screening is also one of the key issues which would be taken into account by relevant officers. However, yes I say however, the process can take a long time. Michelle Wong is a program manager from the Stop Trafficking of People, a frontline anti-trafficking organization that has served over 60 trafficking victims since 2017. We avoid taking our clients to the, to the government screening procedures because it often takes many months. In each session, victims have to stay, stay for eight. 
if, if not more than 10 hours and recount their ordeals. Once it is exhausting and re-traumatizing, despite the joint joint um, investigation protocol set up by the by the security bureau, the NGO said investigations were often carried separately and without cooperation between between different administration administrative departments. Victims were asked the same set of questions repeatedly. They said this was also Singh's experience. We counted what happened to me um, repeatedly. Repetitively was very stressful. I broke down and cried. Always saying trafficking victim. Amidst the COVID-19 pandemic, her legal procedure stretched into five months, during which Singh had ca- was called to different departments, government departments, to give statements. She said, causing her great distress and anxiety. Recounting that happened to me repetitively was very stressful. Singh said, "I broke down and cried." The process had put great pressure on Singh, who also worried about, her, about how to support her family financially. Singh's relatives have been divided by her decision to pursue the case. Everything in my family depends on my job, and I could not work when I have a case, Singh said. Ultimately, Singh did not want the case to drag on and chose to withdraw the criminal claim while the labor case was settled. Reyes, who is the head of the case management and research for help for, of help for Domestic workers said this is this was common. The victims just want to forget it. The whole process of court hearing and remembering the details of experiences in various interviews is just too long and painful, Rayson. In twenty in March twenty eighteen, a TIP working group chaired by the Security Bureau published a action plan to tackle human trafficking and enhance protections of migrant domestic workers in Hong Kong. The plan introduced necessary protections and, su- and suitable assistance for those in need, including legal immunity, psychological counseling, and financial assistance. Singh did not receive any government assistance. Her expenses during the five months, including for visa expansions and allowance for basic needs and cost of living in a shelter, was covered by the was covered by help for for domestic workers. The security bureau said the specific statistics were not. Maintained on the protections and assistance provided to, T- to TIP victims, but emphasis the small number of identified victims of the past in the past years, indicating that the TIP had not had not been prevalent prob- has not been a prevalent problem in Hong Kong. The statement is similar to those who followed the issue. A U.S. State Department of State report on trafficking in Hong Kong released in July said that the implementation of the screening mechanism and victim identification was ineffective and inconsistent. In response, a government spokesman said it was unfair and groundless to count doubts on the quality of our screening and discredit our screening procedures merely because of the low numbers of victims to identify. Because they kept withdraw- because they withdraw and they forget about it because it takes so dang long for you to even do anything about it. So blaming so. What about it? You you saying oh it's, it's it works fine? Why so many victims can't even get interviewed? And they it takes so dang long to even do anything. The government doing. Matt Friedman, the chief executive chief executive officer of or CEO of the Mekong Club, an expert in international human trafficking, said he believed the administration was trapped in a in a vicious cycle of denial and a lack of action. If the government is saying that they do, do not have an issue, then they do not feel the need to look for it, Friedman said. They do not look for it. 
they do not find it. Part of the reason they do not find a case is that they do not do, they do not self-identify the problem. After the dust has settled, Singh found another employer, and while she has doubts to overcome, she has doubts to overcome, she is said to be emboldened by her experience. I still feel frustrated that it took so long for me to speak up. I wish I could have done so sooner, she said. But I've gone through the worst, and I did not keep quiet. I took a step on my own to, to leave the situation. Encouraged, Singh has volunteered in a leadership and peer support program organized by Help for Domestic Workers. The program is, invites survivors of human trafficking and exploitation to raise awareness and help those stuck in, in similar circumstances. Reyes, who is responsible for the program, said it was effective. Community leaders offer insights, guidance, and support for to domestic workers seeking help. He said it was very encouraging and humanizing to learn that that others have similar has some similar difficulties, thoughts, and emotions. Through through shared experiences, support, and collaborative problem solving, the members of the community benefits emotionally. I'm happy that they're doing this. Okay. I'm happy that they're actually getting some special help. A 33-year-old Filipina domestic worker who goes by the name of Ava is one of the program leaders. In 2018, Ava's former employer went to Thailand, leaving her alone in Hong Kong. She said she was not supposed to go out, even though she had visited the doctor regularly due to poor due to poor health. After returning to the city, her employer ended her contact her contract. They neither gave Ava one month notice nor paid one month salary. In lieu of of notice, which is required by law, like if they like the, these employer cares whatsoever. It took nine months and three hearing at the labor tribunal before Ava's former employer finally paid her what she owed. Knowing how lengthy and nerve wracking the legal process can be, Ava can easily understand the plight of her other victims. I just want to help others to share the knowledge I wish I had when I was exploited. I want to tell them that these what these legal procedures mean, what they can do, and what their rights are. She said. At the time of the interview with Hong Kong Free Press, Singh has received her training and has started volunteering for the program. She is also an active member of a mutual self-help group, lending a help hand, helping hand to those in need, and offering her free time to chat. Like Ava, Singh sympathizes with those ongo- with those undergoing trial and screening. Or a screening, patiently explain the relevant procedures to them. For Singh, though, being a part of a program was not just an altruistic, altruistic experiences. It was also em- empowering. I learned new things and make new friends. I'm I'm empowered with knowledge and experiences that I can raise awareness in my community and support others to overcome the plight. She said, "I am no longer scared of silence." Dolly Singh spoke to Hong Kong Press on the condition of anonymity using a pseudonym. The interview was conducted in Punjabi with translation services provided by the Alvaro um, Rodriguez, Commun- Communications and Community Engagement Manager of Help for the Domestic Workers. In clarification, an earlier version of the article rep- misrepresented the approach taken by the Stop Trafficking of People's Towards Hong Kong Trafficking and Person Screening Mechanism. And I feel like there's no problem, at least with <laughs> telling this and we're letting everybody know what's going on. And that's what I want to hear. 
And we're telling the truth for goodness sake. And we know how crappy the system that Hong Kong put in. The, the thing sucks. No domestic workers are being helped. I mean, if I mean if Claudia Moe's out, she would have done a, a much, much better job. I mean, yeah, it's true. She's doing it, so it's not bad. China accuses the U.S. of 10,000 of cyber attacks. Evidence. Beijing on Monday accused the United States of launching 10,000 of cyber attacks on China and pilfering troves of sensitive data, including from a public research university. Washington has accused Beijing of cyber attacks against U.S. businesses and government agencies. One of the issues over which ties between the two powers have those dived in recent years. China's constantly denied the claims and in turn lashed out against alleged U.S. cyber espionage, but has rarely made public disclosure of specific attacks. We do. We don't know. They don't. We don't know what they are talking about. But a report released Monday by a national by a national computer viruses and emergency response center accused the United States National Security Agency of carrying out of carrying out tens of thousands of malicious attacks on a network targeting in, in China in recent years. It specifically accused the National Security Agency of tailored access operations of infiltrating Northwestern Polytechnical University of the Sea of Xi'an. The university was founded by the by the Chinese universe by Chinese universe Chinese Ministry of Industry and Information Technology and specialized in aeronautical and space research. Severick alleged that Tao infiltrated the university networks and took control of tens of thousands of network devices, including servers, routers, and network switches. Using the dozens of cyber weapons exploring previously no- unknown flaws in the Sun OS operating system, the unit gained access to core technical data, including passwords and operations of key network devices, the report read. Tao has stolen over 440 gigabytes of high-value data in recent years and received assistance from groups in, in Europe and South Asia, Zurich said in a report, said in the report, which was co-authored by the private Chinese cybersecurity from Chuhol. D360. The National Security Agency did not immediately respond to the AFP request for comment. In June, Xi'an authorities said they had launched an investigation to report cyber attacks at the university and carried a hallmark of overseas hacking groups and unlawful elements. The attack caused significant risk and hidden dangers for normal work and life at our school. And university cybersecurity officials told state broadcaster CCTV in comments published on Monday. Last year, Washington accused Beijing of carrying out a massive attack on Microsoft's email software that affected at least 30,000 U.S. organizations, including local governments, as well as customers in other countries. China, of course, why, why do I, I'm not surprised, denied the allegations and countered that Washington was a world champion of Cyrus Minaj. But without providing evidence, we're gonna still def- we're gonna still have to den- we'll still have to reject this claim because it's false for goodness sake. Hong Kong's pastor accused of sedition questions accuracy of police audio recording transcript. Hong Kong's pastor Gary Pang had been accused of sedition over an 
over an alleged disturbance of court proceedings have questioned the accuracy of a transcript of an, of an audio rep recording presented during his trial. Preacher Gary Pang and Chiu Meiying, and Chiu Meiying, 67 years old, appeared at the West Calgary Magistrate Court as the trial against them continued on Monday. Both stand accused of uttering seditious words in court in, in January, while Pong faces another charge of committing acts with seditious intention. Chiu's lawyers last week challenged the constitutionality of the colonial era sedition law, saying it must contravene the basic law. However, Magistrate Cheng Cheng Lim Chi ruled that it was constitutional in order to try to proceed. He said he would explain his tr decision on the matters later, likely to get up with the verdict. Money should focus mainly on the allegations against Pong. According to a summary of facts agreed by both Persecution and Pong, the 59-year-old preacher attended a court hearing as an independent online journalist on January 4th. Pong has operated a YouTube channel since May 2020, which have mainly published videos about the court cases related to the 2019 protests. During the hearing, pro-democracy activist Chao Hantong was convicted and sentenced to 15 months jail term over a banned TMN vigil last year. Pong and Chiu were accused of clapping, oh come on, after Chao made her mitigation speech and uttering seditious words criticizing the magistrate. The persecution led by an acting assistant director of public persecution, Betty Fu, submitted eight videos as evidence, including live stream Pong and Queen Livestreams Pong hosted outside the state's court after attending protests relating charge um, relating Kate relating hearings. Fu on Monday summoned a police officer as the pub, pub, uh, pub, uh, persecution witness. The officer, surname surname Chung, was responsible for transcribing an audio recording on January 2014 court proceeding. The, perse the persecution played an audio of the mitigation speech Chow made that day. The court heard that Chow was at times interrupted by the magistrate asking her not to make political statements and focus on the mitigation cases, making her cases. The court also heard two rounds of applause following, following Chow's remarks, as well as a male voice allegedly Pong shouting, Cantonese, you have lost your conscience. During the cross-examination, Pong, who opted to defend himself in court, questioned the accuracy of the, of the transcript of the audio recording in an investigations report report prepared by the officer. Pong said some words in transcript did not match the recording. He also questioned how the officers had concluded that it was him who shouted in the courtroom. Before listening to his audio recording, Have you ever heard my voice? Pong asked Chung. The officer replied he had never heard Pong's voice prior to that, and that he identified Pong by studying others' investigative material. That means when you put down my name as a speaker in the transcript, you did not get the information of the video recording. Do you agree? Pong asked the policeman. Chun said he agreed. Smart. I used to question that. Because do you, do you, do you know what his voice sounds like? The investigations reported that he also wrongly described the suspect's clothing. Pong added, Chun's report stated that, stated that the defendant wore a long sleeve black top, a pair of black trousers, pair of black frames, eyeglasses, and a black face mask. Punk disputed that they had shown, shown the court several screen captures of him wearing a short sleeve shirt and a white surgical mask. Chung said that he made a mistake. Oh, come on. Before any eyewitnesses were summoned, Pong applied for a stay of proceeding, asking for the 
case against him to be dropped. He caused the city's provision under the crimes ordinance ancient laws, which have stayed dormant for decades until a Hong Kong court recently convicted pro-democracy activist Tam Dachi under under them. Peng said Hong Kong entered a new legal era when Beijing imposed a national security law in June 2020. I cannot tolerate that that there's still Her Majesty in Hong Kong's law in Hong Kong's laws. He said making an apparent of reference to the crime ordinance which penalizes seditious words and acts against the British monarchy during the colonial period. He said the prosecution should not use colonial areas laws to press charges now. And I agree. Pong, however, clarified to the court that he was not inviting the prosecution to charge him under the national security law, which would carry a higher penalty if he was convicted. The national security law criminalizes subversion, secession, collusion of foreign forces, and terrorist acts, which have brought broadly to include disruption to transport and other infrastructures. Magistrate Tung said it was inappropriate for Pong to make such applications after the trial had begun, as it should have been made beforehand. He rejected Pong's applications, as there was no injustice against him done by the prosecution, which would which would warrant ca- calling off the the case completely. The trial will continue on Tuesday, with police officer Chung continuing to take the stand and ongoing cross examination. The prosecution also revealed that he it will play Pong's YouTube videos and summon four, five more witnesses. I wonder what is it about that scares these guys so much. I want to know that. Hong Kong courts reject interim housing residents bid against government rehousing plan. A legal challenge launched against the government plan to rehouse residents of a temporary housing estate has been has been rejected. Hui Ying, Hui uh, a representative of the Secretary interim interim housing concern group, filed a leave to apply for a judicial review in June this year. Hui said in an application that the decision to rehouse residents of the Kwai Chum housing estate and our interim estate in Tinmon, some 18 kilometers away, was a violation of the basic law and the Bill of Rights. The application listed the then Chief Executive Carrie Lam and then Secretary for Transport and Housing Frank Chen as its proposed as his proposed respondents, and the director of housing and a senior housing manager of the housing department as proposed interested parties. High Court Judge Wilson Chen rejected Hui's legal bid last Friday, ruled that he, it, that he had listed inappropriate people as respondents in interested party in his applications. In his application, Hui requested that the court demanded, demand the housing department place affected second residence in, a, in public housing. Which said at the time that rehousing in Tianmen would mean longer and more expensive commutes. Chen ruled that the policy to demolish the secular interim housing and the subsequent relocation decisions were made by and responsibility of the Hong Kong housing authorities and hence Lam and Chen were not appropriate response to the applications. Chen, the judge also wrote in the judgment that the staff in the housing department, including the director and senior manager, were only the fault were only following the policies and decisions of the housing authority. And therefore they could not be listed as interested parties. Morons. Secretary of State in Kwai Chum 
is one of the city's last remaining temporary housing areas. They were set aside for people who had left their previous homes because of landslides, fires, or dem dem demolition plans for squat for squatters areas, but who are not entitled to regular public housing. The plan to redevelop Sackley's interim housing area was announced by former Chief Executive Carrie Lamb in her 2020 policy address. And I'm surprised that she doesn't care whatsoever. I want to know, does she care? I don't think she cares. I don't think John Lee cares about housing either. His policy doesn't have anything about housing. And we'll talk more after the break. Welcome back. COVID-19 reports of conflict and government quarantine approach inaccurate, Hong Kong's chief health chief says. The Hong Kong government united, united and its COVID-19 anti-epidemic efforts, the city's health chiefs has said. The remarks were made in response to a news a news recent news report, a new recent report, which cites sources saying there are disagreements within the administrations over whether to scrap the mandatory hotel quarantine for arrivals in November. Secretary for Health Lo Chumal wrote that the team, led by Chief Executive John Lee, always had the same goals when it comes to the overall anti-epidemic policy in a blog post published on Sunday. According to the Bloomberg article published last Thursday, the government was looking into, into ending compulsory COVID-19 hotel quarantine in November. However, the international outlet report that sources have said there or there were there was a pushback on the plan. John Chief Executive John Lee is leaning towards scrapping hotel quarantine before the November event to signal Hong Kong's back in business, despite objections of some of his administration. The people said the article read. Health Secretary Lo Chumal was amongst those who wants to tighten restrictions as cases surge. One person added on the hope that suppressing cases. Suppressing cases will lead to the opening, reopening of mainland border, the article will continue. Without naming Bloomberg, Lowe said whether the sources were true seems to be not important. And that there's a lot of me local media report reported the on the articles as if it was real. These sort of articles were made me think about the story of of the Shang, of the Yangshi the Yangshi Palace, a popular TV series in mainland China which was about internal conflicts in the past, Lil wrote. One of the people in the events actually took place in the history is not important. And after all, it is a television drama. It is successful as long as audience like watching it and it becomes a hit. The health secretary said that the article not only harmed the professionalism that should be held by journalists, but might be also impact the administration efforts in combating combating the pandemic. All guys, we're seeing shortened duration of mandatory hotel quarantine from seven days to three nights. Despite this, there have no significant increase in the number of important infections. The city has steady has seen a steady increase in COVID in numbers of COVID nineteen daily infections since the late May. Hong Kong has reported one million. 582,399 infections and about 9,724 deaths since the beginning of the pandemic over two years ago. Would you believe that? Would you believe that it's actually happening? And it's quite, you know, it's quite shocking to hear this happening anyway. Sedition charge against Hong Kong's combat 
coach upgrade to subversion. Oh, come on. The sedition charge against a, Kong, a Hong Kong combat coach accused of planning to build an army to overthrow the government have been upgraded to incitement to subversion. The case will be transferred to, the, to a higher court where the defense could face up to seven years in prison. Dennis Wong, 59 years old, and his 62-year-old assistant, Irie Chug, appeared in front of Principal Magistrate Peter Law at the West Kowloon Magistrate's Court on Monday. When the prosecution applied for the transferal and charge and the charge amendment, under the new charge, Wong was accused of signing others between July 1st, 2020, and March 20th this year to plan, to organize, plan, commit, or participate in an act or an act by force or threats of force or other unlawful means with view to subverting state power, namely overthrowing or undermining the basic system. Of the People's Republic of China, established by the Constitution of the, P of PRC, of the PRC, and or overthrowing the by central power of the PRC or the by power of the Hong Kong Special Administrative Region. Subversion, together with secession, collusion with foreign forces, and terrorist acts, was criminalized under the National Security under national under the National Security Law enacted in, in June 2020. People charged with assignment to subversion could face up to 10 years of jail under the Beijing Post legislation, but district court can only hand down a maximum sentence of seven years. Wong was initially accused of acting with seditious intention, which carries a maximum jail term of two years. Sedition law falls under the Hong Kong Crime Ordinance, which last amended in the 1970s, 1970s when the city was still a British colony. Wong, in turn, were additionally charged with possessing unoffensive weapons with intent and possessing weapons without a license. The, their first district court hearing will be on September 22nd. Police officers, police officers from the National Security Department arrested the pair in March. They have been reprimanded in custody since. According to the district, to the police, weapons such, such as crossbows, swords, Bows and bows and arrows and air guns were found at the place linked to the two defendants. They're allegedly aimed aiming to build an army and support Hong Kong independence. According to Lumi reports, the pair were also accused of spreading seditious speeches on social media, who were asking people not to get COVID nineteen vaccines. Addressing reports days after the arrest of Wang Chung, Senior Superintendent Steve Lee of the National Security Department, the pair the pair alleged offenses far um, superseded seditious acts, and the police forces was discussing the Department of Justice about adding charges under the national security law. For example, we can see the targets very clearly emphasizing the building army, a brigade of black knights supporting Hong Kong independence, targeting the regime of the People's, People's, People's Republic of China and the SAR government, Lisa. Three of Wong's students, three students of Wong, ages between 39 and 50, were apprehended by the police in June as well. The trio were released under under police bail. Why are they doing this? I wonder what they're so scared about. If they're so scared, then don't do anything about it then. Two final news for today. What do we have here? Be cautious with your words. Hong Kong Centrist Party tells government advisors who oppose golf course public housing plan. Hong Kong Centrist Party had criticized top government advisors for openly opposing plans to turn parts of the sprawling golf courses in Fan Ling into public housing, calling their words at odds with the administration's messaging 
about the urgencies of a housing crisis. And I agree. Surfside held a press conference outside the government's Admiralty headquarters on Monday urging government urging officials in, in the executive council, some of whom are members of the Hong Kong of the Hong Kong Gulf of the Hong Kong Golf uh, Hong Kong um, Golf Club, which runs a golf course to be more cautious with their words. Some people in the government executive executive council members have different views, said Tiki and Chairperson Third Sign. Their words carry weights. The Executive Council should support the government's directions. Authorities first proposed um, building public housing on the, on the site of the Funding Government Course, which the Hong Kong Golf, Court, Golf Club will return to the to the to the government next year in 2018. I don't know why they put that in there. Tech, who's also Hong Kong's sole non-pro-establishment lawmaker, did not name the executive members. The, um, the parade was referring to. In recent months, both Regina Ip, the convener of the Executive Council, and member Ronnie Tong had voiced disapproval of the plan. I'm not a golfer, but the 318 hole golf course at Fan Ling are amongst the finest in Asia. Ip tweeted, Ip tweeted in June. She also questioned why the government purported dedicated sports promotions should damage the world class golf course. Tom, meanwhile, said in, his, uh, in an August Facebook post that the government to turn the golf course into a public housing undermines the government aims of attracting foreign talent. If they were express express their personal views, they need to think about whether they should be in an executive concert. Otherwise, their words would create confusion in the society and cause public to lose confidence in the government. Tick said. Tick and Tong are amongst at least five non-official non-official executive councillors to have a to have a Hong Kong golf golf club membership according to Hong Kong One. Hong Kong Free Press reached out to both Ip and Tong. Ip's secretary said she was not available while Tong declined to comment. Like the city's leader before him, Chief Executive John Lee has pledged to increase the supply of housing for low income groups. Currently around two hundred and twenty six thousand people Many of who are waiting f- to move into government subsidies, uh, subsidized ha- public housing for years, live in cramped subdivided flats. In June, China's top office for handling Hong Kong affairs called on the authorities to tackle the city's deep root housing crisis. The project was pushed back in August after an environmental advisory body requested more information from the government. Secretary for Development uh, Bernadette Lin told reporters that the constructions industry event last money that the plan would go ahead. The government is fully devoted to implementing this project. Our intention has not changed, she said. Around 12,000 units will be built on the 9 hectares of the final lane site with a proposed completion date of 2029. This is an important part of the about 10-year housing supply target, Lynn added. Timothy Choi, vice chair of, Thurs- of the third side, said the golf course was Probably the only site can be used in the short term as into the planning process. Other government proposals, including developing land in Lantau Island and the Northern New Territories, would not increase the housing supplies in the near term, the party added. Households handled the following golf course, Tick said, was a test for the government's determination addressing the housing problems. I feel like there's something I might not agree with them, at least I might not like what they do sometimes. But I agree with, I can respect what they said. 
one in the final for today. Three Hong, three Hong Kong ex-lawmakers facing subversion charges asked to be sentenced as soon as possible. Three former Hong Kong lawmakers who have been who have pled guilty to a subversion charges have asked have asked a local court to handle their mediation pleas and sentencing as soon as possible before their 18 co-defendants stand trial in the city's largest national security cases. It came as the trio's lawyers said his clients had been anxious while spending more than 18 months in detention before the high-profile cases involving involving 47 pro-democracy figures could move to trial. Ex-Civic Party, Civic Party legislators Alvin Young, Jeremy Tam, and Kwakake appeared before a three-judge panel in the High Court on Monday, along with well-known activists Joshua Wall and Fast Beat Tam Dachi, to discuss matters linked to their sentencing. There are 29 prominent politicians and activists who pled guilty to playing a part of an alleged conspiracy to commit subversion. An offense under the Beijing's enacted security, national security legislation that came into force on June 30, 2020. The allegations involved around an unofficial pro- primary polls held in July 2020 to select opposition candidates for an upcoming legislative council elections which aimed to help the pro-democracy cancer seize more than half of the seats in the legislature. The primaries were said to be part of a conspiracy to allow the Democrats to abuse their powers as lawmakers to veto budget bills, paralyze government operations, and ultimately force the chief executive to resign if they were elected. On Monday, Senior Counsel Edwin Choi told designated national security judges National Security uh, Judges Andrew Chan, Wilson Chan, and Johnny Chan that the three ex-Civic Party politicians wanted to face face sentencing prior to the trial of their 18 co-defendants who denied the charges. Judges should proactively seek ways to bring national security laws related matters to trial expeditiously, Choi said. Uh, said signing a court of a final appeal judgment for December last year. There should be proactive case management and a monitoring of progress by the by the court in cases where the defendants were held in pre-trial um, custody for lengthy periods. The senior counsel quoted the, the top court ruling. My clients have been incarcerated for quite a long time. They have been anxious with an excite, the anxiety of waiting. Choi said, adding three lawmaker, ex-lawmakers wanted the mitigation and sentencing to be sentenced as soon as possible before the trial. The 47 Democrats were first brought in court in March last year, when they sat through a four-day marathon bail hearing. Most of them have been held in custody since then, after being denied bail on national security grounds. Only 13 of them are currently out on bail. It's almost... It took almost one year for a magistrate to commit the cases to the high court, but the subversion offenses would warrant up to life imprisonment. Former Civic Party leader Young was said to have appealed to the international community to intervene or exert political pressure on China and Hong Kong in the name of safeguarding these human rights situations in the course of the primaries. Tao, on the other hand, was described by the prosecution as having lobbied for firm insurgents against the authorities by taking part in the scheme, to which she also f- f- also demonstrate a persistent commitment. The prosecution said Kwok, 
encourages people to vote in the unofficial polls and made unfounded assertions against the national security law, which they saw as affirming his commitment and commitment to and endorsement to the scheme. Representing ex-student leader Joshua Wong, lawyer Jonathan Mann on Monday, said his client was neutral as to whether he wanted to be sentenced before or after the trial. Wong was said to have lobbied to bring about a political crisis with the intentions of straightening the international battlefront. The activist could not give his preferences, Mann said, because he had no idea when the trial was going to be. Activist Tam Dachi was also neutral about the sentencing arrangement. Persecutors described him as having demonstrated willingness and readiness to engage in physical confrontation once elected as a lawmaker. His representative, barrister Pauline Lung, told the court that the former online radio host preferred facing sentence after his 18 court offense or tried, but Tam quickly gave an update instructions in court and said he did not have any, a preference. Last Friday, lead prosecutor Andy Lowe told the court that in a case with more than one defendant would be would be proper for the court to impose sentencing after their co-defendant's trial have ended. This would allow this would allow the court to consider the criminality of each defendant. He said, Judge Wilson Chan on Monday asked the prosecutor if it was impo- was pos- if it was possible to conduct a sentencing hearing. Both, um, both before and after the trial, in accordance with the preferences of the Democratic accused. <clears throat> in response, Lowe repeated the general principle of meeting uh, sentencing after trial. A submission was interjected by the justice and by Justice Andrew Chan, who stopped the prosecutor from elaborating on the reasons for adhering to usual to usual arrangement. We all know the reason. Go back and do some research, Justice Andrew Chan told Lowe. What a douchebag. Aside from the five Democrats in the court for their case uh, management hearing, some of their code of friends were also present, including Gary Fan, Rory Tam, Frankie Foom, Karen Ng, and Tiffany and Tiffany Yuan. They waved to the public gallery as they were scoring away after the hearing ended, with Joshua Wong shouting, Happy Happy Mid Autumn Festival, everyone. Under the national security law, a principal offender in the subversion offenses of a grave nature could be sentenced to the lap behind bars or a fixed term imprisonment of not less than 10 years. Those who actively participate in the offenses shall be jailed for between 3 and 10 years, while other participants shall face a fixed term imprisonment of not more than 10, of 3 years of short term detention or restriction. It remains unclear of what level of penalty the High Court may impose on the Democrats. A trial date for the high-profile cases has not been fixed yet, but Secretary for Justice Paul Lam had ordered the 18 Democrats to be tried without jury. He cited the alleged involvement of quote-unquote foreign elements as a reason to depart from the common law tradition, as well as concerns over personal safety of jurors and their, fam- and their family members, and a risk of preferring the courts of justice if the trial is conducted with jury. That's like having a U.S. court um, not allowing anyone to be not allowing it to be judged by a jury, which makes it even more unfair and much more dangerous and mild and the honest truth. Why are you so scared of the pan Democrats of telling the truth? I want to know about that. And to all the people of Hong Kong living around the world right now, especially people who are in exile, keep fighting. Keep your voice. 
We are going to speak out and we will never surrender. You can't kill us all. And Beijing is nothing to us. And the Beijing government is nothing to us. And don't wait. And I'll tell this to the Beijing government and to the Communist Party around the world. As of right now, to the Communist, to the Communist Party and for the Chinese people and the Vietnamese people, I will stand strong today and continue fighting for what I believe in. And I will be only, if, even if I was the only one left, I will continue to fight for what I believe in. And fight for the true freedom and democracy for both of those countries, for both of those places. And the Communist Party, don't ever wait, don't wait for any negotiations or even surrendering to me. Because once that happens, it's too late now. And the Communist Party by then would have been collapsed by then. And thank you for tuning in, guys. If you guys, if you guys enjoy hearing this podcast, make sure you tune in every Monday and Friday for our regular podcasts. And make sure to tune in on our rate on the new podcast on SGA that we'll be doing in the future and a future run. And thank you for tuning in, guys. And we'll talk more next time. This is Team Cahill, my radio, signing out. <laughs> My radio. It's on on every Monday and every Friday. And host my radio. Welcome to the show. Thank you.